It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome into the virtual bible study for april 15th 2010 my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is back with us tonight uh, dad welcome back to the program jacob great to be with you on the virtual bible study tonight it's it's tax day April 15th, we hope all of our listeners uh, have got their taxes done, or if not, they're going to be staying up late to get them done. Uh, it is April 15th, and we look forward to a good discussion tonight. Actually, Jacob, our discussion tonight sort of centers on the idea of taxes and and our relationship to the government. Yeah, we got to talking about uh, what we're going to discuss, and we sort of got into the government. Why don't we just spend a whole hour talking about government? Because it's on everyone's mind today, I think, yeah. as uh, it is the, the tax deadline. And along those lines, in the news uh, repeatedly, we've heard about uh, some demonstrations that have been going on. Yeah, really all over the country, in Washington, D.C., and in cities all across the country, there have been tax protests that have been organized by a coalition of groups that are generally identified as the Tea Party movement. And we have a special guest with us uh, on the air tonight here for the first few minutes of our program. We're going to be interviewing Antonio Hinton. Antonio, do you hear me on the phone? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. Welcome welcome to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Antonio, appreciate your time. Um, quickly, tell us about what was going on today. Um, well, uh, citizens across the nation were, um, you know, letting their voices be heard that they were just fed up with uh, what's going on uh, emanating from Washington. All right, so basically you were using the uh, the April 15th tax day as sort of a an impetus to get people involved in letting elected officials know that they're tired of what's going on in Washington. Yes, absolutely. Antonio, what's your relationship to the Tea Party movement? You were telling us earlier, but you've got a long list of, uh, of groups and committees that you're on. What's your relationship to the movement? Uh, well, as far as uh, the, the, the National Tea Party, I sit on the National Leadership Council for the National Tea Party, which is Tea Party Patriots. Um, as far as the state level goes, I'm on the executive uh, committee for the Tennessee Tea Party Coalition, which is a coalition made up of most, if not all, of the tea parties uh, in the state of Tennessee. And then as far as locally, I'm vice chair uh, of the Knoxville Tea Party, so... This is, uh, in my lifetime, Antonio, and I'm sure you would agree, this is really an unprecedented thing. I, mean, I don't think we've ever seen a grassroots movement that has gathered such momentum as the Tea Party movement across the United States. Would you agree? Well, yeah, well certainly not since the uh, Civil Rights Movement of the 60s. Yeah, absolutely, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, or the, the anti-war movement and the Civil Rights Movement of the 60s, sure. Right, right. Now, what do you, uh, if you were, if someone said, just give us a, a thumbnail sketch of, of the of the emphasis and purposes of the Tea Party movement. How would you describe it? Just just a, as an overview. Well, it's just a group of it's a grassroots group, grassroots 
group of, uh, of ordinary citizens, not professionals. Uh, we're not like ACORN. Uh, we're not like uh, the union thugs, like SEIU and all the other organized labor unions. Uh, it's just a grassroots organization of concerned citizens, again, who are tired of their grievances repeatedly not being addressed. Okay, and, and what, uh, in general, what are those grievances? Are they primarily centered on taxation, or are there some other things that no, you... No, no, no. I think that's a big misrepresentation. This is not this nonsense, which has been perpetrated uh, by our, 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 our media that we are anti-taxes. We all know that there are some taxes that are certainly necessary, uh, uh, but it's the amount, it's the over-taxation, uh, what it's being used for, and deficit spending, spending money, spending money that we do not have. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that's what it is. We all agree that there are some taxes that are necessary. We agree with that. However, we do believe, that, well, there's no question that there is a confiscatory tax system when it comes to people's income. In other words, this government punishes people who produce. And that not only is it a confiscatory redistribution, Type. Well, it's not only confiscatory, but it's a redistrib- redistrib- redistributive type taxation where those who produce, theirs is confiscated and then redistributed amongst those who do not produce. Right, right. okay. Now, as I understand it, the reason why this, this movement is identified as the Tea Party movement, it dates all the way back to the original Boston Tea Party in which citizens – of the U.S. colony or of the American colonies were protesting the tax policies of the King of England. Am I right? Is that where it gets its name? Yes. Okay. Now, would the big question we want to deal with in our Bible study tonight, Antonio, again, we're talking to Antonio Hinton. He's one of the organizers of the Tennessee Tea Party Coalition, and he's on several different boards, even national boards associated with this movement. I, I think that our listeners are going to be especially interested to discuss whether or not the original Tea Party in Boston was a justified action and whether or not the activities of the Tea Party movement in the United States today constitute a rebellious act against the government or maybe even – I've heard some people claim this – maybe even that the, the, – you know, it's fomenting revolution, and maybe people are going to take up arms and, and you know, begin all-out fighting. How, how would you respond to that? Well, uh, I do agree that this is a, a second type of revolution, uh, but I believe it's more of a re- reawakening uh, of Americans who have become uh, complacent. Uh, they realize what this government is doing. They're tired of it. Um, and, and as far as revolution, as far as taking up arms... You know what, if the government doesn't try to, to confiscate or, or legally, uh, you know, we have a Second Amendment in this country, and the reason why the Second Amendment exists is because the founding fathers knew what they were doing. They knew that uh, that an armed citizenry was a free citizenry. So this this nonsense, again, and, and, and all of this is based on false premises, every single one of it. Um, you, you know, if you don't try to take someone's gun, that they legally possess via the Second Amendment, then they're not going to take up arms. So, you know, but, but we see this continuous assault on our fundamental rights. And keep in mind, the Second Amendment is in the Bill of Rights, meaning 
that the Constitution would have never, ever, ever passed had those first ten amendments not been put in there. Those first ten amendments are the Bill of Rights, meaning they don't we have those rights simply because we exist. Meaning no man can either take them away from us or give them to us. They are inalienable rights given to us by God, endowed by our Creator. Antonio, do you are you encouraging any type of rebellion uh, or um, uh well, that depends on what there are different types. There. Listen, the, the, the 1960s civil rights movement was a rebellion, okay, and that brought about change. So if you're asking me, am I, uh, you know, talking about a rebellion as far as trying to change this country, then absolutely. Um, are you talking, are, do, you, do you encourage any type of civil disobedience? Absolutely. Okay, what, and what, to what extent would you encourage that disobedience? Um to where they, 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 they start to, to listen to our um, our um, our grievances. Well, let me ask you this as a follow-up to that, Antonio. This is really interesting to us, and I think our listeners will be interested to uh, hear this input. You're, you're a person intimately involved, deeply involved in this Tea Party movement, so we really appreciate your time with, with us on the virtual Bible study tonight. How would you... Respond to Christians who say, "I have some concerns. I, I I'm sympathetic with the political viewpoint." What, what, what concern? What concerns those? Okay, okay. What are those concerns based on? All right. Well, in the New Testament, we're instructed to be submissive to governmentally governmental authorities. In in passages like Romans chapter 13, beginning verse one, "Let every soul be subject to the higher powers." It's talking about civil government. So, you know. There is a sense in which we as Christians are obligated to be submissive to our leadership in civil government. How would you respond to Christians who, who, who again, are very sympathetic, I think most are, with the, the political viewpoints that your groups are espousing, but there's concern about where do we draw the line as to... Well, that, well, that, 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 has, to be drawn, that has to be drawn with each individual, and they have to know where they are with the Lord. Okay. Um, I know as far as for myself... Um, and, 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 and not that, you know, I agree with that passage, uh, but I also believe that, that, that if, when men, when man gets out of control, then it stops ceasing to be about the Lord. And that's where we, that's where we have to be, you know, step up and say, you know what, you're making this too much about you or us or, or whomever. And it's not about the Lord. And so I, I think each individual Christian has to answer that for him or herself. Okay. All right. Uh, now, what, what's, your, what's your religious affiliation, Antonio? Christian. Okay. Now, tell us real quickly. We, we, we need to let you go here. We're just about up to our time for our first uh, commercial break. But tell us what kind of response you got in Nashville today. Was I'm there, sorry? What kind of response did you, did you uh, see in Nashville today, a pretty good group of people assembled, or or did it? Um, um, well, it certainly wasn't as large, as large of a crowd as we wanted, but you know, as I said, we're not professionals. You know, most of us are, are hardworking folks. I was, you know, some of us were fortunate to be able to take the day off, but but a lot of hardworking Americans can't do that because they've got bills to pay. And 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 you know what? That's exactly what we want. You know what? Most people are showing their patriotism by going to work. 
yeah. and doing the right thing. So, right. Well, I uh, feel like I feel like the, the the mainstream media definitely is trying to downplay the the significance of this Tea Party movement, and and so, uh, uh, they're, they're not trying to downplay. They're trying to discredit. When they cannot win an argument, they discredit it. So it's not about downplaying. And by the way, they're not the mainstream media. They are the lame street media. Okay. Let's, let's get that right. All right. I, I, I hear I hear that. I, I've heard that expression before. All right, Antonia, we thank you for your time with us on the Virtual Bible Study. Uh, it's very interesting to hear your insights and your point of view as it relates to this Tea Party movement. And, and again, uh, I think pr- uh, probably everybody who's listening tonight is sympathetic to the political viewpoints that you sh- that, and share them with you. Uh, we just th- there continues to be some concern about how to address those uh, grievances, as you've talked about. But we appreciate your time, and thank you very much for being with us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Thank you, and God bless you, and God bless you, Radio Show, and all the listeners out there. Thank Thanks, you, Antonio. Thanks, Antonio. All right, uh, we appreciate Antonio's thoughts tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. We're going to take a break, and the phone line will be open. You can jump in. What do you think about uh, the Tea Party movement, the Christian's response to it? Is it something a Christian needs to be involved in? How do you think our relationship to the government should be dictated based upon your understanding of the Scriptures? The number to call is 877-381-4567. The email address to use, and we're getting some emails, is questions at collegeu.com. There's a good discussion going in the chat room tonight. If you're not in the chat room already, join in there. We'll take a break, and we'll continue the discussion right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in His Word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So, That's what the Virtual Bible Study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Hi, my name is Zach Coleman, and when I'm listening to the Virtual Bible Study, I love to hear comments from other listeners. So please join in tonight's discussion by sending an email or by making a phone call. The address is questions at collegeview.com, and the phone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And welcome back into the virtual Bible study tonight. We're, uh, again, thankful for Antonio Hinton from the Tennessee Tea Party Movement for joining us on the program tonight. We're talking about government, our relationship to it. On tax day. On tax day. And so uh, hopefully we don't have anyone who disagrees with Jesus' instruction to give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Hopefully you paid your taxes uh, tonight. Uh, We look forward to hearing from you. 877 381-4567. 381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com or join in the chat room. And we have been able to turn off the moderation in the chat room tonight. And so if you don't have a username, you can, as you're watching the discussion there, you can join in, just type your comments. Looks like they're really going at it in the in the chat room talking about this subject of submitting to the government. And all that's right. our theme tonight, Jay. And we're not going to be able to get all the comments in the chat room incorporated into our discussion. If you'd like your voice to be heard, the guaranteed way for it to be heard is to call us at 877-381-4567. That's a toll-free number. We'll pay the bill 
Give us your call or send an email to questions at collegeview.com. We're watching the email. We're getting some emails. So uh, we've got a lot of response here. And, th- and one thing we ought to mention before we go any farther is we're not making any uh, political kind of discussion tonight. We don't care about politics. We're not caring about, uh, you know, uh, we're not going to comment about whether we ought to raise taxes or lower taxes, whether we ought to build bridges or uh, pave roads. We're talking about the Christian's responsibility to government tonight. But let's make that point just emphatic here. We believe, according to 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. The church, uh, that verse says, Paul said, if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is concerned with truth, not politics. And we're not a political action committee. We're not promoting a specific political point of view. That's not our intention here at all. And um, so we, we want to make that clear. You know, Jesus, when he was before Pilate, made the point that his was not a political kingdom. He said in John 18, beginning verse 33, Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said to him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, saying, uh, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. And so Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. He's not got a political kingdom, and we ought to understand that. We're we're not involved in politics. We're not trying to take a political viewpoint here with the virtual Bible study. All right. I think we got a little problem with your mic there. You might want to check that uh, that cable in the back there. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview. Uh, dot com. As you said, we're not taking uh, making a political statement. Uh, we're not uh, commenting on politics one way or the other. We're talking about the Christian's response to government, and that's what we'd like your thoughts on on the program tonight. Um, earlier today, is that any better? On the I think that's better. Okay. Uh, earlier today to our update list, I'm still hearing something kind of goofy. Let me change your channel there. Go ahead and keep talking. All right. There you uh, go. Earlier today to our update list, we sent out uh, these questions. How should Christians view political protest in light of scriptural instructions to submit to civil government? That's number one. Number two, if you had been living at the time of the American Revolution, what side would you have been on? And specifically, could you have joined the revolution against the King of England? And number three, can a Christian refuse to pay taxes if the government spends tax revenues for things that are against God's will, for instance, funding abortions and so forth? And finally, can and should Christians vote in elections? Yes or no? Why or why not? Are we doing any better there, Jacob? You're better. Okay. You're better. Good. Okay. So those are the questions we want to deal with. And we're, again, we're getting a lot of talk in the in the chat room. Uh, join in there. Uh, and again, you don't have to have a, an account tonight to participate in the chatting that's going on in the chat room. So uh, join in there. We're getting some emails. We're going to try to get to those. Let's deal with this first question, Jacob. How should Christians view protest. In other words, the Tea Party movement, we were just uh, interviewing one of the leaders of the Tennessee Tea Party movement. The Tea Party movement was engaged today all across the country in protest. In Washington, D.C. and other and other major cities, there were protests all across the country protesting the government, protesting excess taxation, uh, uncontrolled spending, and a refusal, apparent refusal of government uh, elected officials to pay attention to the concerns of the populace. Could we have gone? We didn't, but could we? 
would we have been uh, doing the right thing as Christians to participate in such a protest? Can you participate? Can you make let your voice be be heard? I guess is the question uh, for that. We've got some responses to that. What 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 are our listeners saying? Our friend Randy in Jackson, Missouri, has written: We're to submit to government. Romans thirteen and other verses say that. Some Christians would say in our society we can protest as long as we obey. For example, we could protest high taxes but pay them out of obedience. I don't think the the biblical definition of submission includes protesting along with obedience. I'm not sure what Randy, I'm not sure exactly how to take that last, that last sentence, whether he believes that submission allows protest as long as we obey or not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to read that last sentence. So uh, he, he at least suggests the, the, the idea that as long as we obey, we are being submissive, even if we protest before we obey. I don't want to pay my taxes, and I'll raise my voice against it, but I'll end up paying my taxes. It's a good, it's a good thing to consider. You know, what is our, what is our attitude? So, I, uh, and again, Randy, if you're listening, you might give us a follow-up on that, because I'm not exactly sure how to interpret your last sentence there in that answer. We've got Don in Antioch, Tennessee, who says a political protest is one of the rights that our Constitution demands and our government protects. I see nothing wrong with a Christian protesting as long as it's within the law and done in a righteous manner. Uh, That's Don's input. Then we have an email from Aaron in Texas who says, it depends on the nature of the demonstration. If one is simply expressing support for a point of view, then doing so in person and with signs is not morally different from writing a letter to the editor or to your congressman. However, some protests are designed with the intent of encouraging disobedience to the law Christians should not encourage disobedience, assuming that obeying the law does not violate any moral principle. So that kind of goes to a, a, a question that you had asked to to uh, Antonio Hinton when we were interviewing him a few minutes ago, Jacob, and he suggested that yeah they would they would take this to the point of civil disobedience. Okay. Um, and I, I saw some comments in the chat room where where some were suggesting that that should not be in our Uh, within our uh, realm of things that we would consider doing. We might protest, but we still have to obey. Some people are saying disobedience is okay. For instance, and he mentioned the the Second Amendment and the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, There are are a lot of people, including some Christians, who would say if the government decided to confiscate our arms, that, that that would be justification to rise up in armed rebellion against the government. So that would be disobedience. In other words, if they passed a law, even if our even if our constitution says that they shouldn't, if they if they violate the constitution as it now reads and enact laws to confiscate our weapons, some would say that's justification to take up arms and defend our right uh, as stated in the constitution. Uh, uh, and that would be civil disobedience. Uh, what about that? Well, why don't we uh, why don't we talk about the principles that uh, the Bible presents on our relationship to the government? Uh, that really answers the question, I think, or helps us to get our hands around the answer to the question. What is what is uh, the role of civil government? Uh, the scriptures are very clear. God has ordained civil government. God wants civil or government to uh, to exist, and God has ruled in civil governments in the past. He's uh, he's uh, had his and in civil governments in the past, and we believe he uh, still would have his hand in civil governments today. Well, the, the, one of the key passages is the one that we mentioned earlier in our interview, Romans 13, verses 1 and 2. 
Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So certainly God has ordained civil government. One of the questions that comes up is, well, does that mean that God ordained Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany or Joseph Stalin and the communist in Russia, uh, Mao Zedong and the communist in, in China? Uh, did God ordain those and, you know, would, would, are, were those good and right? They obviously were not good and right. I think the answer to that dilemma is God ordained the institution of marriage. That doesn't say that every husband's a good husband or every wife's a good wife. He ordained the ideal principle. Uh, but certainly husbands sin and are, are to be condemned when they sin. Wives sin and are to be condemned when they sin. Governmental leaders sin and stand condemned when they sin too. God ordained the principle of civil government. And the principle suggests that we are to submit to government. With the exception, I think the notable exception is as stated by the apostles in Acts chapter 5 uh, and verse 29, we ought to obey God rather than men. In other words, when they were called before uh, the, the ruling class of their day and they were commanded not to teach. Let me read that. Acts chapter 5, beginning verse 27. When the council had brought them and set them before them, the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. So we're to submit, except in the case where submission would require us to violate God's law. If the government, if you were in Germany, Jacob, and the government said, Okay, uh, you are in the army. And you're going to be at, at a, a concentration camp and you are personally going to be involved in, in uh, exterminating Jews, for instance. I think you would have had to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I yeah. can't do that. That's a violation of God's will. So there would be the exception to submitting to civil government. But the question in my mind uh, on, 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 for instance, if they came to confiscate our weapons, I don't have to have weapons in order to live and survive. In other words, and, I don't have to have a weapon to be a faithful Christian. And it's and it, uh, this, the Declaration of Independence, the, uh, the Bill of Rights, is not a God-given right. God God didn't say, you, you have to have a gun, and if you don't, you can do whatever you want to. Well, it's a great document, and the fact that our government has, has operated uh, on the basis of that uh, document for going on nearly 250 years is a great thing. We, we're the beneficiaries of the insights of those men who wrote that document. There's sure. no doubt about that. Sure. I mean, we're certainly grateful for it. But you can't find a scripture that says you need to have a gun. Right. Or you need to... Keep have, your guns at all costs. Or, yeah, or, or that you need to be able to vote, right? Uh, you so, don't have to vote. We're, because many of, the, many of the governments of the world today and in history didn't grant their, their citizens the right to vote. And yet the Bible says that we are to be submissive to the king... First Peter chapter two, verse 17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Right. So a monarchy would suggest no right to vote. And you're still to be in submission still and to still in... to honor that king. Exactly right. All right. In first Timothy chapter two, beginning verse one, Paul writes, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority 
that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And so, uh, you know, there, those last couple of verses suggest the idea of serving under a monarch. And people who do that typically don't have the kind of rights that we have grown up with in the United States that are guaranteed to us by our Constitution. What if they abolished the Constitution? What if it became a dictatorship? They put one man, he w- he'd be the king or dictator. What should we do? Well, we've got to honor the king. One passage that I think is very powerful along these lines is 1 Samuel chapter 24. We understand in the context of 1 Samuel chapter 24, Saul is going around trying to kill David. David has the opportunity to kill Saul. He doesn't do it. He passes on that. But in the process, to, instead of killing him, he cuts off a portion of Saul's skirt. Notice the response in 1 Samuel chapter 24, beginning of verse 4. It came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. The Lord judge between me and thee in verse 12 of 1 Samuel chapter 24. And the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. David, even though Saul was trying to kill him, was going to honor the king because he knew that the king was God's anointed. And I think that we need to have the same response to our king, our president today. No matter what he does, he's still the president. We're told to honor him. We need to have that honor. Well, I think that's right. And again... I believe that we can express our point at this point in time. It's within our legal rights to express our legal point of view and to say, I don't think that the president should abolish the Constitution. I don't think he should come and take our guns. I don't think that, you know, I don't think that we should have excessive taxation. I don't think the government should be funding things like abortion. And we have we have a right to express those points of view. And I think we can and should. But the question is, where, where do we draw that line? All right, let's take a break. And when we get back from the break, we'd like to hear from you over the phone at 877-381-4567 or send your email to questions at collegeu.com. We'll have a lot of ground to cover when we get back, so we hope you'll stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Enjoying the Virtual Bible Study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. There's a strong temptation to water down the truth in order to make it more appealing to greater numbers of people. Sometimes we feel the urge to soften God's message to avoid offending or upsetting someone. It's a common thing to see preachers and teachers avoid certain subjects for fear of losing or alienating church members. Doing so is always a mistake. The following story is told about the famous author, professor, and preacher, J.W. McGarvey. I'm quoting here from a book called Successful Christian Living in Today's World by Mike Winkler. In January 1903, Jesse P. Sewell and J.W. McGarvey were together at a worship assembly in Dallas, Texas. While sitting on the front row waiting to speak, Brother McGarvey leaned over to Brother Sewell and said, Brother Sewell, I want to say something to you if you will accept it in the spirit in which I mean it. Brother Sewell assured him that he would, and Brother McGarvey continued, You are on the right road, and whatever you do, do not let anybody persuade you that you can successfully combat error by fellowshipping it and going along with it. I have tried. I believed at the start that it was the only way to do it. I have never held membership in a congregation that used instrumental music. I have, however, accepted invitations to preach without distinctions between churches that use it and churches that do not. I have gone along with their papers and magazines and things of that sort. During all these years, I have taught the truth as the New Testament teaches it to every young preacher who has passed through the College of the Bible, yet I do not know of more than six of those men who are preaching the truth today. He then affirmed, it will not work. 
And so we must teach the truth, never compromising. The Apostle Paul said simply, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program too. Gracias. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back into the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're a part of it on the program tonight. We look forward to hearing from you as we talk about our relationship to civil government. We will remind you, reiterate what the Bible teaches us about being in subjection to government. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power of uh, resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. This is a this is a, a a matter that involves our soul. That's the discussion we're talking about tonight. If we are not in submission to government, we will receive to ourselves damnation. Titus chapter three verse one tells us: Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. We are to be subject to the authorities of the government. It's interesting that Paul wrote that at the time when the government was very corrupt, very evil. They were even going to eventually put Paul to death. And Paul even told Christians then, in the face of that persecution, in face of that wickedness of the government, you be in subject in subjection to the government. Here's, here's another strong verse. If I, if I got a, is my mic working? There you on? go. Now you okay. Um, another good verse, Jacob's. First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. For the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Be subject to every ordinance, it says. Of course, the the the, the uh, sort of the m- mitigating factor there would be if they command you to violate God's law. But other than that, we're supposed to submit. And um, that goes down through every chain of government, not just the president, but every uh, every secession underneath that as it tells us there in First Peter chapter 2. Okay. Now, let's go to our second question that we asked to our update list today. If you'd been living at the time of the American Revolution, what side would you have been on specifically? Could you, could you have joined the revolution against the King of England? You know, this, I think this is a tough question for us, Jacob, because we are, we are really blessed by the fact that we live in America. We live in a free country. We, we benefit from, we, in, in our physical lives, we benefit from the fact that the American Revolution took place and that, that we are not obligated to the King of England and that we are in a free country. But the question is, if you had been back in that time, could you have participated in the American Revolution? Could you have been on the side of the revolutionaries or would you have necessarily have been obligated to be loyal to the king? Randy in Missouri says, I probably would have not joined the revolutionaries. England was not demanding obedience to anything illegal, maybe just unfair. I think he's right. I mean, again, we might not have liked what the king was saying to do, but he, you know, in so much as it wasn't sinful, uh, we probably would have had to submit. Don in Antioch, Tennessee says, if I had participated in a protest within the law in a righteous manner and the government moved against me, then I would have defended myself. Aaron says uh, from Texas, I would have been a Tory. I could not have joined with those participating in armed rebellion against my king. In light of Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 17, I cannot think of an instance where it would be acceptable to participate in armed rebellion. 
The Declaration of Independence lists many reasons why the Founding Fathers believed that they were justified, but none of them are biblical. I will go even further than that and state that I do not think that there's biblical support for the idea, to paraphrase Jefferson, that all men are endowed by the Creator with inalienable right of liberty. Liberty is nice, but not a divinely granted right. Just as servants in 1 Peter 2.18 were supposed to submit even to masters who were harsh and made them suffer, I believe that I should have done the same for the harsh king in 1776. So uh, Aaron, as typically he does, has really worded well his response to that. I tend to agree, Jacob. I think I'd have to I'd have to been loyal to the king because I believe the the although I don't I don't like the the implications of that to, to where I am today. If I was back there, I think I would have had to interpret the Bible to say I got to be loyal to the king. Yeah, for anyone to come along and say, all right, let's rebel against the king. Let's not do what he's telling us to do. Let's fight against them. I'd have to go to Titus chapter 3, verse 1, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and to, power, and to powers, to obey magistrates and to be ready to every good work. I'd have to compare that rebellion with what the scriptures tell me about being in subjection, and I'd see a contrast and a contradiction there. Uh, you and I were talking about this before we went on the air, Jacob. Here, here's here's the, the potential complication on that. When did the government of the United States then become the government to which you are supposed to submit, you know, and I, I think that would have been a, a that would have been a difficult challenge in the day, you know. In other words, here we, we're operating under the the law of the King of England. Then the revolution is started. At what point? I'm and I'm living in the colonies. At what point then do I become obligated to submit to this new government that has been formed, you know? Uh, uh, I'm not sure how to answer that question. All right. Uh, th- that's maybe one we don't have to answer, and we don't have to answer this other question that's come up in the chat room a lot. The chat room's an absolute mess tonight. We can't follow all that's going on there. I hope that you can. <laughs> we I hope you're enjoying it. They're enjoying it. They I'm probably sure. got the, the audio on mute so they can pay attention <laughs> to what the chat room's doing tonight. But in the chat room, Mike in Illinois, I think others have asked it as well, what about rebelling against Stalin or Lenin? Could you rebel against uh, commun- in chi- communist China? There was a question, could you have a rebellion in communist China? In, uh, in Russia, could you rebel against that? You know, I look at Titus chapter 3, verse 1, all the instructions of the New Testament about being in submission. What about, could you rebel under Caesar? He was burning Christians upside down or crucifying them upside down, burning them at the stake. Could you rebel against that? If you couldn't rebel against that, could you rebel against Stalin or Lenin? I, I, again, I don't think so. Oh, the only thing, again, I keep coming back to the same point from Acts 5.29. The only thing that you could do is you, you can't obey them if they tell you to do something that's sinful, right? And so if they were, if, if they're rules, but I think a Christian who's living his life uh, in communist China or Russia, well, well, here's, here's a, for instance, in, I think it's still the case in China today that they're not allowed to meet for, for worship as Christians. Okay. Well, I would meet. I mean, I'd do whatever it took to be able to meet and worship. But I wouldn't organize a, a rebellion, a coup to overtake the government right. because they won't let me worship. Right. So there's a little bit of a difference there on how sure. you're going to react to that. Sure. All right. Uh, Johnny sent an email, and Johnny uh, maybe misunderstood where we were coming from. Uh, he says, these are all loaded questions, not a quick one-liner answer. Seemingly today, Christians have the view to lay down to whatever the government says, human, using Romans 13 as the Bible authority for doing so. I totally disagree. I do not believe Romans 13 is suggesting that. 
I see many Christians sitting back in their soft pews in church while evil has run its course in most of our family lives and church life, convincing themselves that Romans 13 tells us to submit to all government authority regardless. If Romans 13 teaches unlimited submission to government, then what about Adolf Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin? Shouldn't the Christians in those days have done God's will and uh, or... Uh, or submit to those tyrannical leaders and say it is the will of God. I don't think so, nor do I believe that this is what Romans 13 is teaching. Wasn't the Apostle Paul in prison when he wrote Romans chapter 13? Uh, he says yes. Why was he in prison? For disobeying government. In the Old Testament, we see Daniel disobeying Darius and went to the lion's den. In Hebrews chapter 3, uh, children broke the law by not bowing. The parents of Moses disobeyed government by hiding Moses in the bulrushes. Rahab uh, committed treason to her government by protecting the Hebrew spies. The apostles went to prison for preaching against the government's will. Even Jesus was against the current political religious leaders. That's why he went to the cross. What if the government says we can barbecue small children? See my point? I totally disagree with the idea of total submission to government. If it is true that all governments are of God, then all government laws are of God that is not practical. I believe Romans chapter 13 is teaching that good government is ordained by God. Government officials are to be good ministers of God. We as the people should obey all the good and godly laws. Government should protect all righteous people, yet they should punish the wicked. In summary, politically speaking, the Constitution is the higher power, not tyrannical laws. When government officials uh, cease to be ministers of God, then we as citizens have the duty to disobey, not a right, a duty, he says, God is the only one that deserves our total unlimited obedience. Well, I, I, th- that last expression, uh, we as citizens have a duty to disobey. I believe we have a duty to disobey only when the law of the land contradicts the law of God, when the law of the land cause, would cause us to violate the law of God. Then we would be duty-bound to violate that law. And, and you know, there are people and places in the world today wherein that is the case, that you have to violate the law of the land in order to do your God-given responsibilities. And so in that sense, uh, I believe there is that single... Uh, That's the only caveat that caveat. you have. Yeah. Uh, but as was well pointed out, you know, the, the, in Bible times there were rulers worse than ours, and yet Christians were instructed to submit. And I, I like the point that Aaron made in his uh, email that even to slaves... They were told to submit to their masters, even masters who were harsh and mean to them. They were to submit to them. And if that principle was true of a slave to his master, surely it'd be true of a citizen to his to his governmental authority. All right. Let's take a break. When we go back, uh, get back from the break, we'll go to the top of the hour talking about uh, the subject some more. We have time to take your comments over the phone at 877-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com. We'll go fast on the other side of the break. Plenty of ground to cover but it would be great for you to get in on the phone now and let your voice be heard or send an email. We look forward to hearing from you. We go to the top of the hour right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? 
This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight as we talk about, as uh, John in the chat room from Oklahoma just said, uh, that this is a controversial topic, and uh, certainly it is. Uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts. Uh, we're going to miss a lot of the comments in the chat room, so you can uh, get your voice heard over the phone tonight or over email. It would be a better way uh, for you to comment. But we're talking about our relationship to the government, and uh, you may disagree with some of the things that we've said, but it is important for us to think about what the Scriptures teach. It is our responsibility to the government. And, Dad, I think uh, in times past it may have been easier for us uh, to be in submission to the government then maybe it is now and maybe it will be in the future. And so we need to think about what the Scriptures teach and what it needs to be our response uh, to the government when we disagree with them and maybe when they're doing things that are just downright uh, ungodly, contrary to God's will, how does a Christian respond? Well, I believe we have we, we are still operating under a system wherein we have freedom of speech and we can let our light shine by speaking out against evil and immorality at all levels of our society. Right. Including at the governmental level. And and so we're not doing anything wrong or I, in, in my opinion, we're not being unsubmissive under the rules that we now live under. Now, if they if they if they remove our right of free speech, we, you know, that might change things to a degree. But right now we're not we're not being unsubmissive to the government when we point out the immorality at all levels. I think we can and should do that. OK. Uh, but as far as resisting to the point of disobedience, I just don't see how we can do that. All right. You ask a question, can we refuse to pay taxes if the government spends tax revenues for things that are against God's will? The government is using tax revenues uh, to support things that are against God's will, uh, supporting um, programs that fund abortions and uh, other programs as well. Uh, the government is supporting homosexuality and, uh, and various immor- uh, immoral uh, lifestyles. What about that? Can we pay taxes to a government that's doing those terrible things? Okay. I think all of our listeners are pretty quick to answer this one. And the answer goes back to the time of Jesus, the Roman government. They were doing things worse than our government was doing, spending tax dollars to do very immoral things. And yet, as Randy says uh, in his email, uh, in the time of Christ, the Roman government was much more cruel and unbiblical than our U.S. government. Yet Jesus said, render unto Caesar. We don't have to answer with what the government. We don't have to answer for what the government does with the money. We only have to answer whether we've been submissive and obedient. Obviously, if the government ordered a Christian to participate in sinful deeds, the answer is different. Uh, I once heard John MacArthur say that we should be very happy to pay our taxes. God ordered us to pay, and we should always be happy with obeying God. That's and, interesting. And I agree with that. You know, what uh, if what if uh, you you came to services that uh, God told me to worship, but I, I can't believe that I've got to worship. You know, every week. What what in the world? I mean, this is just a pain. I wish I didn't have to do it. Would God be pleased with your worship? I don't think He would. Would He be pleased with you paying taxes by your moaning and groaning about it? I think uh, we need to think about that. Okay, uh, Don in Antioch, uh, Tennessee says. If I used abortion as an excuse not to pay taxes, then it would be wrong to benefit from the good ways in which our taxes are spent. This is just a cop-out. I think he's saying what we're saying. We've got to pay our taxes even if we don't agree with everything done. Uh, Aaron answers, 
as I'm sure many of your listeners will point out, the government that Paul wrote about in Romans 13 supported all kinds of immoral things with the tax money that Paul told the Romans to pay. So, again, I think our answer is pretty unanimous on that. Jacob, if we need to back up a minute. Uh, I raised a question about the, when would you have been subject to the new government in the time of the American Revolution? Yeah. We got a response from Jim up in Somerset, Kentucky. We hadn't heard from Jim in a while. Jim, glad you're listening. Glad you're out there, Jim. Uh, he says, I know you said you weren't going to answer this question, but concerning the idea that a new American government was established, and some would argue that participating in the Revolutionary War on the American side thus fulfilled Romans 13, do you think that Christian people could have come down on either side of the revolution question in good conscience? Uh, they may, may be, and, and it's possible that they did. Uh, but I like the answer. Aaron has sent a follow-up. Aaron from Texas says, I understand the difficulty in understanding when sovereignty changed, For me, the answer is that the United States became sovereign when Great Britain formally yielded sovereignty in the treaty that ended the war. It's hard to say what would happen in a case where the conflict is never formally resolved and in practice the rebels exercise practical power over some area on an ongoing basis. Yes, it's hard sometimes. But I think he's probably right, Jacob, and I I wouldn't have been able to put it in those words, but when Great Britain ultimately conceded, and said, okay, we're not, we're not in charge. We're not the government there any longer. During the time of the war, they were still maintaining that they were, and they were fighting against rebels, people who were rebellious. When the war ended, when they, when they came to a treaty of agreement and ended the war, they, they conceded their sovereignty over, the, over this part of the world, and thus then the new government was the sovereign ruler. Uh, I like Aaron's explanation I as think well. that's a good explanation for okay. sure. All right. Uh, can we go on to question number four? Yeah, let's talk about that. We ask a fourth question uh, about voting. Can and should Christians vote in elections? Yes or no, why or why not? Randy says, I think in our society we have the opportunity to vote for righteousness, and we should do so. Anytime I'm asked for my opinion, I'm willing to give an answer that I think would be pleasing to God. So Randy says, yes, it's it's a way to exercise our uh, influence and, and, and to be a power for good in our society. Okay. Um, any other responses to, uh, to that? In the chat room tonight, uh, if you want to send in your quick uh, answer, can we vote yes or no? Uh, just uh, send in a yes, send in a no, and we can uh, include that in the discussion. They're talking, I see that some comments are coming in there in the chat room about voting already. Don uh, says it would be wrong for a Christian to not vote over pure laziness or lack of concern. But if a Christian feels he has valid reasons not to vote, then he's still participating in the election by not voting as long as he's ready to explain his position. Okay. On the other side of the issue, it is more wrong to vote just because someone reminds you of someone like John Kennedy or because he seems to be so sincere or because the person is black or a woman. It's also wrong for people to vote a ticket regardless of what party, what the party stands for or to vote when they don't even know the issues. Don says he thinks you should vote. But he thinks it's a mistake, wrong to vote without giving thought to your vote, which I think from a very practical standpoint is true. If if voting is a means of letting our light shine, then we need to know what we're voting for if we're going to be letting our light shine. Okay. Uh, John in Oklahoma says he votes yes to voting. He says you can. Um, And Mike in Illinois uh, seems to think it's okay. Um, Dean in Louisiana says, I don't agree that it's wrong not to vote. I find very few politicians I can cast my support for. 
So uh, Dean, well, I guess, would not have a problem with voting, but he wouldn't think it would be your scriptural obligation to vote. Um, he says he doesn't. Uh, Sharon seems to agree with Dean, if I'm uh, reading this correct. Um, and um, and Anthony says that we should stand up for uh, the most godly principles. Yeah, the, the problem the problem that we face there is that very often in voting for specific candidates, we we're sort of having to take the good with the bad, you know, because you know there may be a candidate, and let's say he's right on most points, but he's off on on, on one or two, but he's far far superior to another candidate who's wrong on almost every issue. So we're 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 voting for something there that's not maybe not a hundred percent what we uh, the candidate is not a hundred percent what we want it to be. All right, Anthony is yelling in the chat room that he sent in an email. So check your email there okay. from Anthony okay. uh, to include uh, his uh, comments tonight. And if you're in the chat room tonight, you don't have to have a username to comment. So why not just uh, use the comment button there to let us know where you're listening tonight? And we'll take a quick roll call as we talk about voting here. To find out where you're listening, we'd, we'd enjoy hearing from you. Is Big Brother watching? I mean, if they give their... Uh, no, if, no, I think oh, we're fine tonight. Okay. Uh, Aaron says, I vote in elections, and I've never really heard a persuasive argument. Why not? If I had been born a prince in another land and grown up to inherit the throne, I believe that God would hold me responsible if I did nothing at all with my power. Likewise, the circumstances of my birth as a U.S. citizen mean that certain powers related to civil government are granted to me as one of the we the people. And I believe that God will hold me responsible if I do nothing with that power. I can't pretend it doesn't exist. There have been elections, however, when I did not vote for either candidate in a race because I did not wish for either of them to hold that office. That doesn't mean I should always do nothing with the power I have. That's an, Aaron usually sends in very thought-provoking comments, and that one is uh, thought-provoking as well. The idea that, that we are, in, you know, people in other lands don't have power, but we do. And uh, that there's there's some you know opportunity op- there's opportunity responsibility. and responsibility when that exists the, you know that we should be using the power granted to us. All Interesting. Right. You thought. still haven't gotten to Anthony's email. All right, let me see if I can uh, find it here. He's jumping up and down on his keyboard, and so please spare his keyboard and find that email. Uh, we have John in Edmond, Oklahoma, uh, signing in tonight in the chat room. Kevin in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh, so let us know where you're listening tonight in the chat okay, room. Okay, here's Anthony's comment in email, not in the chat room. He says, I agree that we must obey government and the laws of the land unless they prohibit us from pleasing God. However, I believe that in our country we have unique, explicit authority as citizens to change our government. The government itself gives us this right to change, abolish, overthrow it. So therefore, we would not be disobeying government if we do so. We would not be violating the scriptures. Armed revolution? No, because I don't think our government gives us that particular right. A revolution by peaceful means? Yes. I believe, at least theoretically, a Christian who is an American citizen could participate and not be in violation of scripture. A Christian living in China? No. That government expressly forbids revolution and rebellion. So to take part in such would be a sin. That's an interesting thought. I I, I see his difference. In other words, we live in a, in a land where... The Constitution says we have a legal right to remove officials who are not living by the Constitution, not not honoring the Constitution. Interesting thought there, Anthony. I hadn't thought about it that way. That may be, though, another law that contradicts God's law to be in submission to the higher power. So we, we'd have to weigh even what the Constitution says. Well, I God think the says. question then would be, are we subject to a specific president and Congress that are in power at that time? Are we are we subject to the, the laws of the Constitution. Okay. 
you know, now if they change the Constitution, we'd have to we'd have to adjust accordingly. But as long as that Constitution stands, are we are we bound to the Constitution? Or are we bound to the specific president who's in office at that particular time? OK, interesting, interesting question. I don't know that I have a good answer on that. Um they're still chiming in the chat room. Mike is listening in Wilmington, Illinois. Aaron is listening in Houston, Texas. We've taken several emails from him. Thank you for your comments tonight, Aaron. We have Jennings, Florida on the line. Uh, Kathleen is in Cudahua, Kentucky. And if you've not signed in with where you are tonight, we'd like to hear from you. Aaron again writes in from Texas. I haven't studied the question much, but do you know why folks like David Lipscomb opposed voting? I don't. Uh, someone asked on an email earlier today about Lipscomb's opinion, and I, I, I'm – Familiar that he did oppose voting and he was a conscientious objector, but I'm not sure what his basis was. Uh, Aaron goes on to with a quote from Lipscomb, uh, something to the effect that voting has brought more harm to the church than dancing, and we are no apologists for dancing. Was it the same reason as Jehovah's Witnesses who don't think we should get entangled with governments other than the kingdom of God? I'm not sure, and that'd be worth doing some research because there have been a number of people such as David Lipscomb who through the years have opposed voting and opposed uh, participating in the military and so forth. That, that, that'd be a, uh, worth reading about. Well, we're coming up to the top of the hour, and we still have many questions to answer, and hopefully we've answered some questions tonight in your mind, but we may have uh, prompted others. If you have other questions, we'd like to hear from you. Send an email anytime to questions at collegeu.com. Dad, you know, we may not, we'd, maybe we didn't answer any questions for anyone tonight, but hopefully we sparked some concern and well, some thought. Well, really, I, and that's right. I, and I think that was our purpose is to get this out uh, on the table for discussion. Uh, I, I get a sense that this Tea Party movement and other things that are going on could escalate rather than fade away. I think, I think that some of the things that are going on in Washington have got people really alarmed. And therefore, some of these grassroots movements like the Tea Party movement, I think, probably are going to gain momentum over time. And so as Christians, we'll have to decide at what level can we be involved in such things. You know, it is an important issue. This It matters. It matters to God how we relate to our government and how we respond to them. And it is a matter that we'll have to stand before him on the day of judgment. So regardless of what you think, you need to make sure that you check your attitude and your actions with the scriptures. Make sure they're in line with what God has said. Exactly right. All right. Well, thank you for your time tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. And we thank uh, the listener in Brandon, Florida, who signed on tonight. uh, Rhonda in Edmond, Oklahoma, signed on as well. And we thank you. For being out there. Uh, we uh, look forward to talking with you again next week on another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.